welcome to a brand new episode of Joy in Your Circus podcast. I'm your host, Sabrina Irvin, and I'm so grateful that you took some time to listen in to my episode this week. I am so excited because this week we had some family time. My husband has been working on the road for the majority of the last year on and off, and it has definitely been really trying on my mental health and on him and our kids and just so excited that we got to spend some time together camping and we couldn't have asked for a hotter week, (laughs) probably a great week to be at the lake. I hope that you're getting some family time in. You may already be sick of your kids (laughs) being home from school. Hopefully that's not the case, but no judgment here if you're ready to send them back already because I'm sure it will be a matter of days before I'm feeling that way. I had the privilege of having a mom conversation with a mom named Kendall. And Kendall is one of these people that I came across on Instagram. And we connected through, I had posted a picture and she commented on it. And I just, we we chatted back and forth on messages. And I just really felt connected to her through some of the challenges she was facing with mental health and just struggling. And I started to get to know her through her posts and her stories. And I feel so privileged to even know just a little bit of her story because she is just one of these moms that I admire so deeply. Her strength is just incredible. And I am just so pleased that I get to share her story with you because it is just incredible. And to all moms that deal with children with high needs and exceptional needs, I just commend you because you are the true heroes. You go through so much in front of the scenes and behind the scenes and you are to be commended. You deserve the gold star of motherhood because I can't imagine what you go through. So I just want to say thanks to Kendall for taking time to share her story. And I know that each person listening is going to take a little something different away from the story that she's sharing today. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Kendall. I would like to welcome Kendall to the podcast. Welcome. Thank you for being here. Uh, Thank you for having me. I'm excited to uh, talk with you tonight and uh, share my story and my life as a mom. I would like to start by doing something kind of creative and fun to get to know you right off the hop. So we're going to play a little this or that. So basically how it works is I'm going to give you two options and you're going to choose which one just off the top of your head is more you. Sound good? Yep. Okay. First one, coffee or tea? Coffee. Wine or beer? Wine. Beach or mountains? Beach. Planning an adventure or totally winging it? Totally winging it. Ooh, I like your style. <laughs> um, Coke or Pepsi? Neither. Ooh, okay. Okay. So what is your like non-alcoholic like beverage of choice? Uh, Fizz sticks from Arbonne. Ooh, okay. You're an Arbonne person. Hey, awesome. Okay. What about night owl or early bird? Night owl. Okay. Uh, Sushi or tacos? Sushi all the way. Okay. (laughs) Would you prefer to shop in store or online? Online. Steve Urkel or Kimmy Gibbler? (laughs) 
Beaver. <laughs> okay. I was like, I hope that she gets a reference to both of those. She must. Um, yeah. <laughs> dogs or cats? Dogs. Okay. All right. Awesome. So let's just chat a little bit about you. Met in person, but I feel like I know little bits and pieces of your story. So what? how would you define or describe yourself to someone who doesn't know anything about you? Uh, I would say I'm a fun, hardworking, honest, thoughtful person, puts others' needs before mine. I wear my heart on my sleeve, quite emotional person, and uh, that I would do anything for anyone. What are you passionate about? So what just ignites your soul these days? What just has your heart? Health and wellness, like working out for me, it recharges my soul, recharges my mood, recharges my mental health, it just gives me like a whole new sheet of to restart things. And, you know, if I'm having a bad day, like it just gives me that extra boost that I need. And working and living every day to the fullest, it kind of and being outside and just like taking in the nature and like every day. That's what ignites me lately, especially with everything that's going on, the pandemic and all that. If we were to say, make a vision board, have you ever made one of those actually? I've never made one, no. Okay, so like if we were to sit down and we were to make a vision board for you, just to say, okay, where do you see things going for you in the next 10 years of your life? What do you think are some of your goals and ambitions, things that maybe we would put on your vision board? I want to be a spin instructor because I love spin. So I'd love to do the pumps and dips to the beat. I love music. Hopefully in the next couple, I can get to that point. Um, I guess like for me, uh, be in the best shape of my life, just so that my body is healthy to care for my kids and, and my family as time goes on and, and travel and take my kids places um, that we can learn and explore and just kind of build those memories. That's really important to me and my husband's. That's where we, we see ourselves. So you mentioned travel. Like, do you have a specific, like, is there like a dream destination that you have on your kind of bucket list? We traveled to Hawaii in 2007, my husband and I, and then we went with my family um, in 2016 to Maui. And Hawaii has just kind of always been like a paradise for us. So we'd love to take the kids there. And um, we went to New Zealand in 2014 for our honeymoon and would love to go back there again as well. So those are the two places that we would like to take our kids just to kind of show them um, where mom and dad went. That's awesome. So let's chat a little bit more about your circus, about your family. So I became a mom with my first uh, son, Rory, um, April 1st, 2017. And he's currently now four years old. And we had a second, um, my daughter, Adeline, in November 7th, 2019. The circus is, well, with my son having special needs, there's quite a bit of a routine with him every morning um, and going to pre-K. So it can be a bit chaotic. And then my daughter, she's kind of all over the place. She's wild and running around and helping me out. So there's that. And then my husband works from home currently. And so he's in the basement. So sometimes it can be a bit stressful there. and. He makes my son's food and I, I make supper and then we have bath time. And it's just um, when it's bath day for both kids, it just can be crazy and bedtime routine. 
it's just, I would say pure chaos. And sometimes there's really no downtime. I look at my Fitbit and I'm like, wow, like, did I just do five miles and I didn't even exercise today? Oh, man. It's crazy how that works. Hey, like you just don't even realize some days like you're just go, go, go. Hey. Yeah. And the day flies by and you're like, wow, it's already 430. Yay. My husband's done work. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So can you maybe tell us just something unique about each of your kids' personalities? Um, Well, like with Adeline, she's, you know, she's got that wild and free spirit. Um, But at 18 months old already, like she just knows and has such like a gentle and loving and thoughtful heart, especially with her brother Rory. It's just, um, it's really amazing to see um, her personality and how like unique it is and how she's you know one minute she's running all over the house the next minute she's kissing her brother on the nose and if he's crying and she's kind of just caressing his hair like and it we didn't teach her that she just did it herself so it's just it's unique to see her you know build that on her own and then with Rory he's just like you know he's always smiling and laughing majority of the time and giggling and babbling and He's just goofy too. Like he's got that goofy spirit and especially with what he goes through every day, it's very unique to see him smile even through the tough days. So that is just, it's amazing to see in a child um, who's gone through so much that he can just continue to carry on as, as if nothing happened that day. That's pretty incredible. So Do you think maybe you can take me back to maybe your first week as a mom? So looking back now, what maybe piece of advice would you give yourself looking back? It definitely was like an emotional roller coaster trying to figure out everything. But I would just say like, take it one day at a time. I get and not be so hard on myself and just give myself grace with especially it being like my first with my first son especially the second day when it was you know he was feeding like every hour was cluster feeding I was emotional I was just tired and then those hormonal emotions happen from you know pregnancy that you don't realize and they're raging hormones and again just take each day at a time at a time enjoy the moments because they just grow out of a newborn phase so fast, which I absolutely miss so much. That's very, very true. It's like, it seems like the days are long when you're in it, but then looking back, it goes by quick, hey? Like way too quick. Like just in a blink of an eye, she's, you know, Rory or Adeline's like crawl or Adeline's crawling or Rory's, you know, sitting, like sitting up at two months or whatever it is. Like, it's just, I just wish I could hold them again, like, and they would just cuddle into you without, you know, not wanting to be cuddled. Yeah, for sure. So are there any things I always find it interesting to ask moms if there are things that they swore they would never do when they became a mom, and they naively said these things, and then they find themselves doing them. So are there any of those things for you? I guess the one thing would be is like, I guess raising my voice at times of moments because I mean like with Adeline she's kind of like at that stage where she knows she says bad 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 and she knows it's bad bad but she still does it anyways I guess I just feel guilty 
and you know just have to think she's little and she's just exploring and so it's tough though especially at eight being at home for 18 months during a pandemic um I always say that this was like 18 months was a lot harder than my my actual job that I do that's what I would say is just kind of raising my voice and just not um having enough patience I guess Would you say there's any specific like lessons or things that motherhood has maybe taught you about yourself? Patience and time management, prioritizing things, especially with like my son's routine and getting ready in the morning and with my daughter, um, organization skills, um, really having to be organized and plan the day properly to make sure everything goes smoothly with appointments and um, going to school and going to work, now going back to work. As a mom, what would you say maybe brings you joy? What sparks joy in your life as a mom? Um, well, I was always worried with, like, my son um, and having, like, and not being a typical child and with special needs that, um, like, my daughter and him wouldn't connect. And now, like it's the best joy like and it melts my heart every day when I see them connecting on a way and interacting together and how they've created this undeniable bond with each other and it's just also like the little things like being called mama and the hugs and the cuddles and the kisses out of nowhere and especially like when you're just having a bad day like those bring you so much joy like Um, and it just fills your heart and fills my cup and I'm just like I can conquer anything yeah those those little moments you know just when you're you're having a bad day those little moments you kind of put them in your pocket (laughs) yeah I cherish those and I hold on to those ones because as I get older I know (laughs) what I was like when I was older so (laughs) yeah all those fun teenage years you have to look forward to (laughs) hey yeah, I already feel like uh, my daughter's 18 months going on 13, so. <laughs> oh, isn't that the truth? I With three girls in this house and a son, like, the three girls are already, I'm like, I I, I don't know how I'm going to make it. <laughs> yeah, with my daughter closing and slamming the door already, I'm just like, are we already at this stage? Because I'm not ready for it. You got some foreshadowing, hey, of what it might be like. Oh, yeah, they say when I told everybody I was having a November baby, they're like, oh, November babies are firecrackers. And (laughs) she's fulfilling that for sure. Oh, I've got one of those November babies, too. So I can agree with that. (laughs) Let's chat a little bit about Rory. So I've been following your story for a while on social media. And honestly, like, from the bottom of my heart, like he is just such an incredible little guy. And he has been through such an incredible journey. So I'm hoping that you can maybe share a little bit with our listeners about his story and just to help us get to know a little bit about what he's been through. So July 1st of 2017, he turned three months old and it was kind of July 5th. Rory was teething and so he was kind of crying and having pains on July 5th and I just noticed some unusual behavior. And I wasn't sure if it was teething or he had a fever or just, I, it was tough. Cause I mean, it's three months old, you don't really know. And so it was the next day I noticed I was breastfeeding him and 
he kind of did these movements and he just kind of went limp and then came out of it and then went limp and came out of it. And I just, then he went to my husband. I was like, we've got to go. Like, we've got to go to the hospital. He's, you know, labor breathing. He's turned gray and his breathing is not good. And so we're, I was like, we're going to the hospital. We were living in Martinsville at the time. So that was a bit of a drive. And I'm sitting in the back seat with him and he's kind of just in with like a seizures that like post-dictal state where he's just kind of staring and his breathing's very slow still. So once we got to the emergency room, they like checked him over and he had a seizure that lasted for five minutes and he was just like unresponsive kind of. And so they gave him quite a big dose of Ativan to help with that that state of he was in for five minutes and which was very emotional and and heartbreaking because like I mean he was our first son and we're sitting at the edge of his bed not knowing you know like what's gonna happen like is he gonna make it like we're shaking we're crying like we have so much fear and we're just like, what's happening to our innocent boy thinking we lost him. And he's just lying there lifeless. And the medication they gave him, you know, made him that way. And he's hooked to a, up to an EEG that reads his brain waves. And they were poking him and trying to get an, an IV in him. And so at that point, all we could do was like pray and hope and try for the, and try to be strong for him. And being a nurse, one would think I could be okay with, but absolutely not. Like when it's your own child, nothing prepares you for this. Even if working in healthcare, like this is my child. He's going through all this and it just hits you like in the gut and the heartstrings more than we ever, like you would ever imagine. And so no parent should ever have to go through like what we did with him and still continue to. So he, had the seizures, we went up, they admitted us to the hospital at RUH and on the pediatric ward. And they gave him medications, which basically he slept the whole time. And we were there for a week and then sent us home with medications. We came back two weeks later for a follow-up EEG. And uh, the EEG tech ran out quickly, went and talked to the neurologist and was like Kate we've got to admit him and so it ended up Rory was diagnosed with infantile spasms um, which kids are usually not are usually diagnosed between seven months to a year and so we were admitted and we the neurologist on call um, came and talked to us about it all and like all we could think about was like you know like will our will Rory walk? Will he talk? What's his life going to be like? Like that, that's the first thing that went through our head just as any parent, like just because of the milestones and like wanting a typical child, you don't want anything bad to happen to your child. And so from there, he was put on a medication and the seizures and Really, they treat the EEG with infantile spasms. There's a certain type of reading on the EEG, and if there's high amplitude in the waves, they need to get rid of that. So if you don't get rid of the infantile spasms right away, what happens is there's global developmental delay, feeding issues. Kids can end up like having some form of autism. 
So there's a list of that. So treating it right away is crucial. And so we, from the get-go, have done aggressive kind of treatment. Um, the medications that he was on before didn't work, so we moved on to a steroid, which we had to poke Roy's leg every second week ourselves at home and caused him to kind of blow up and be swollen and irritable. Like they say roid rage. Well, he had roid rage because we slept on a couch for two and a half hours taking turns because he just wouldn't sleep and settle. And I had to isolate myself for three months from anybody. Nobody could come in except for my mom to help me uh, because his immune system was low because he had a white, low white blood count. So we stayed home with that. And then at eight months old, he had to stop breastfeeding, which he was exclusively breastfed. And we moved on to a ketogenic diet. And he had to be bottle fed, which he really wasn't. And then he was silently aspirating, which was another devastating thing was had to put an NG, a feeding tube in his nose to get his nutrition. And so he can no longer breastfeed, which was a really hard thing for me because I still had to pump to put in um, his keto formula. But I just like I missed that piece and it just was taken from me so quickly. Since then, like keto didn't work. His ketones were always high, so we were always treating with apple juice. And so he was on it for a year. And, like, we swear, like, the day we went off of it and weaned him off of it, which took a couple weeks, he was a totally different kid. He was so happy. He was, like, it's like he went back to himself. And a lot of times with kids on seizure meds, they regress. And he did regress. And he came back to kind of his old ways, but. So then we went on to a different medication, and he's probably been on 12 different meds now. He was considered cryptogenic, his condition, which um, means no known cause. In November of 2019, the genetics doctor had called me three weeks after I had Adeline and said that they had found two unknown variants of concern in the gene panel. Um, one which was like, could come from me, the X chromosome, and then um, another one that they're still kind of uh, reevaluating, which they feel could be Rory, but only one or nine kids in the world have this. So he's actually currently part of a study with a doctor in Italy comparing um, these kids and what they have and, and their conditions or their feeding issues. So uh, Rory has a feeding tube, so he only takes taste by mouth he hasn't eaten anything by mouth for about four years now um, he still struggles with um, seizure control we've just changed his meds now um, and right now he's had about he can sometimes have up to 50 to 100 seizures a day in one period so yeah that's kind of been his his four years of life that is incredible. And I am like, my heart, like listening to you tell that, like, I'm like tearing up over here listening to your story because it totally gets to my mom heart. And I think you are just so incredible for what you have been through and just so strong to go through all of that. And I, I want to know, like, you're going through all this stuff and you know, they're trying to figure out 
what's going on with him. And I can only imagine like how difficult that was for you as a mom. And I just like, what goes through your head when they're, you're sitting there and they just, they don't give you any answers. You're trying to figure it out. What, where does your head go at that point? So I, when I like look back, I remember just sitting there by his crib on the floor just saying I can't lose him and just feeling devastated and heartbroken that that I did something like what what could have I done differently like I took I took all the prenatal pills I ate the things they told you to eat I exercised I did everything and what will what will his life be like long term? And will he be able to walk and talk? Will he be able to go to school? What will his first job be? And these are just in the beginnings of his life at three months old. Who's who is even thinking about that at that time? But as a mom whose child is going through this, that's all you can think about. And I remember my mom sitting there when he was diagnosed with infantile spasms, and she said, we'll get through this. This is just his new normal. And it is his new normal, but it took us a long time, or it took me a long time to accept that new normal because I wanted him to just be normal and be a typical child. And so you just, yeah, you just kind of, it's just all the emotions that you feel, just, you, and right away it's the blaming, and I know, like, the neurologist said, it's not your fault, it's nothing you did, and nothing you could control, but that just still weighs heavy on your heart, because I carried him, and of course that mom guilt will always be there for any mom with anything. And so, I mean, still some days when he is having these seizures, I do kind of blame myself or just feel like I could fight harder. I could do more. And, you know, you, we are our hardest on ourself, I think. And, you know, you are so strong and you are more than enough for that little boy. You are so incredible. And I don't think you give yourself enough credit for how strong you are. And I just, I want to talk a little bit about challenges and victories, because I know that sometimes there's a lot of challenges, but there's also victories. So let's talk about some of the things right now in the present. So the biggest challenges for Rory right now as a four-year-old, what would you say those are? Because again, like I use the word, as you notice, typical a lot, typical ch children. Um, and with Rory being special needs, his needs are special. So he has extra needs for extra things that say maybe typical kids can do on their own. So, I mean, one of the things is childcare, finding childcare. Like I'm, we're very lucky that his mom, are willing and able to take care of Rory while I am able to go back to work and while my husband can work. Um, because there is no child care really for special needs kids. And that's tough because they have a lot of other needs 
with feeding issues or, you know, because he's not walking, he's, you know, he's kind of got a floppy upper body, he can't hold his head up on his own, he can't sit, you know, so they would probably need extra help. Um, and so there's, that's the thing. Um, he attends a different school, so he can't just attend a, you know, just a general typical, um, pre-K, you know, he's attending a pre-K at Alvin Buckwood Center that has two EAs and a teacher and other kids that are like him because they're trained to, you know, give medications and give them their feet, tube feeds or, you know, how to transfer them in and out of the chairs. And then just this last week, like we wanted to go for a bike ride as a family. And we had, you know, one of those bike chariots, those trailers. And we have kind of this firefly chair that kind of supports Rory's upper body and his head. Well, he couldn't fit in it. So just something like that easy. We wanted to go for a nice bike ride. We knew he would like it because he loves to be outside. Well, we just couldn't do that. And that kind of just, those things like other people take for granted where we we don't like we want to do these things we want to give him these chances but a lot of times like we can't and a lot of the stuff too for kids that need extra support in their in their body because they can't sit up properly is so expensive like you have to pay lots of money for these equipments and some equipments you can get approved but others you can't and and you know like even getting him toys where he can interact and, you know, press a button and it engages in a toy. Well, you know, he gets those at school, but for us to get home at the end of the day, like it's, they can be costly, like they can be expensive. So um, we just don't think about those things. And I never thought about those things either before I even have had kids, but I mean, it's not like I can just go out to the grocery store either with the kids and, and take Rory and Adeline like I have to plan it out or leave them at home you know so it's just you know just have things that aren't available um to him that are available for kids that are typical so let's turn the tables and let's talk about the positive things so let's celebrate the win so even the smallest victories I feel like especially right now like in the pandemic I find myself more appreciative of little things. So what are some of the victories for Rory right now? What are some of the, some of the things you're celebrating? Well, we always call them like for us um, in the special needs world, like inch stones, because okay. those inch stones, we celebrate them. Um, they're like big for families where kids, you know, are globally developmentally delayed. So like, especially like Rory going to pre-K at the Elwood Buckwell Center at KCC. Like we never thought he'd be going to kindergarten, but pre-K and he's going there and he's loving it. Like if he doesn't go there and for a week or even a couple days, he's just not himself. Like he excels there. Like he's learned how to hit like a button where it pushes and it turns on bubbles or at snack time they have, you know, he takes taste. Well, they have a button for him to hit the word more. And he's doing that independently. At circle time, he's, you know, they say hi, Rory. And they have the button that says hi, that he can say hi back. He's hitting it independently now on his own. And so those are just things like, I mean, those are huge things for us. Like we just never would have, you know, thought that he'd be going to pre-K, that he'd have that opportunity. And that even that he would enjoy it and we can see a difference in him. So like that's a 
a big stone for us because like he's just excelling and even snacks like today we gave him some sort of popcorn and he's grabbing our hand to lick it like he understands that like he's put those two together and so it's so awesome to see him understand those things and make those connections that is very cool like I can and I can tell like in your voice how excited those things make you which is so that is so awesome like and you know what to you know the average person like some of these things may not seem like a huge deal and that goes back to you talking about people taking for granted simple things that you guys definitely don't take for granted so I think it's just perspective hey yeah like it's just like I mean again back when it all started like we never you know we always hoped he'd get to this point or we hoped that he would do this and like we always I this one other like I always thought on this quote like we always focus on what he can do rather than what he can't because we were always focusing on what he can and once we started what he can we noticed there was a lot that he could do and that he can do and that he's capable of doing it just takes you to just focus on like looking at them as a whole instead of the diagnosis and that he is typical but he's special in his own way that is such a refreshing way and a refreshing outlook on your situation you are just a big advocate and very active for epilepsy awareness and i'm curious where we live here in saskatchewan like are there resources and supports here in our province for families who are trying to navigate epilepsy are we lacking in that area like where would you say that we sit here unfortunately like we're lacking and there currently really isn't any like for us when we reached out when our when Rory was diagnosed with infantile spasms we reached to social media Facebook and there was a Facebook of infantile spasms of parents from all over the world, like all over the country. So you had various amounts of stories, variants of like people and their um, kids development. So it would, you know, that is what got us through a lot of it. And it's unfortunate there isn't a lot here, but it is getting better. Like, and again, with social media, like connecting with other moms that other kids have other various seizure disorders, um, a, a friend of mine and her friends started a group called Motherhood Two, which is uh, was just kind of five of us moms that had kids that had special needs, and we would just kind of get together and you know just talk about the roadblocks we had. And we don't we all have different our kids all have different kind of conditions, but it was just refreshing to have like that support and understand like yeah, I'm going through this too. Like, yeah, you're not alone. And I guess those social media is our outlet connecting with people all across the world. Um, I know there is like an epilepsy, um, a Saskatoon epilepsy nonprofit group. Um, They kind of, I think, meet virtually and they were meeting in public. Um, But other than that, like there really isn't a lot but I'm hoping, I'm hoping there will be. And that's when Rory was diagnosed. I really wanted to do like that awareness and like connect with those. And we did a fundraiser about a month ago and we raised over, I think close to a thousand dollars. And through that awareness, I connected with two other moms from Saskatchewan that 
had dot to uh, like kids that have infantile spasms and they're just in the beginning of their journey and so it's just social media has the power to do that and it was just that was my goal and two people in a month to connect with within your province that's huge because I mean and the doctors are good about it too like if they have families that they ask and reach out if they're willing to connect and and share the stories and it's just it's just huge to have that support but I really wish that there was more support groups for I guess special needs uh, parents just in general. Yeah it would be nice to have that sense of community um, more so when it comes to you know having families that are going through the same thing like I think just being able to connect with families might make someone feel a little bit less alone in their trenches of this. Yeah and like the one thing that I look back on when Rory was diagnosed and just like you know you're excited to the mommy groups and you're excited to you know do the mommy walks and you know connect with other moms and when he was diagnosed I was so isolated because I I had a child that had extra needs who was on you know steroids and and we couldn't leave the house and it was tough to like you know see other moms with typical kids that were able to do these fun things and and you know, compare stories like, oh, so-and-so's able to eat by mouth or so, you know, and, and I didn't have any really relation. It just kind of weighed heavy on my heart. Well, he can't do this. Well, he can't do that, you know, at that time. So it's tough when you feel isolated because you have a child that has special needs and has that extra needs, but you feel isolated because you're not a mom to a typical child. So when you go to those groups, you feel left out. And I know I, I speak for a lot of moms, like, it's just tough. Like, you just, you just, it just, it isn't easy because what do you talk about? You, you know, see, and lots of people focus on just seeing people with convulsion and grand mal seizures. And um, there's just so many types out there um, that affect everybody differently. Um and that, like, you can't do certain things, but you can. If you are on seizure meds and they're controlled well and your seizures are controlled well, you are able to do, you know, everything that's done safely. Let's say there's a mom listening to this podcast right now and she has just received a similar diagnosis for their child. What can you maybe say to that mom in her moment right now to provide some words of encouragement? I would say just focus on where your child's at right now. Be present with them and enjoy them. Like this is their new normal and try not to focus on the what ifs or try not to focus on the the milestone part and just focus on again, like I said, you know, what they can do rather than what they can't and try not to compare your kid to your friends I mean the best thing I learned was to focus on like what my son can do uh because in the beginning I was so caught up in that and now when I look back at pictures of the first year of his diagnosis I wish I could have been more present and accepting because I feel I lost moments of of the newborn stage because I was also grieving to the loss of what, what and who my son was for the first three months of his life and where he was at for the typical stages. 
you mentioned um, in your role as a nurse and you kind of made a comment about how, you know, people would think, you know, as a nurse, you would be prepared to handle something like this. And in my opinion, it's like nurses are human. Like, do you think that going through this experience has maybe changed you as a nurse in any way? Yeah, like when I went back to work after 18 months of uh, being off with Rory, man, like I connected on such a different level with patients. And we built such a different rapport and like care and my outlook and their outlook and our connection. It was just so different. And every day I left work, I was just so happy. And the patients were happy. Like I could sit and cry with them because they were feeling something and they could see I was feeling something, but we just connected on a different level. And it's just given me a whole look being on the other side of how difficult it can be for patients that are going through such a difficult journey. Yeah. Just a new perspective. I when I, I was worried when I went back to work that it would be tough, but it definitely was just like it was totally different and it was so good because I always smiled when I went there and we I had such a different level of communication with the patients and it just made every day such a good day to go to work. So let's talk in 2019, you guys announced that you were expecting your daughter. So what was the decision to add a second child? Like, was that difficult? And what kinds of emotions feeling through the second pregnancy? Well, we always knew we wanted a second and, we, of course, had already spoke to gen- genetics about everything. And they said, you know, just because we don't know the cause of Rory's condition, um, there's, you know, a lower chance of baby number two having it, um, what he has. And so, you know, as a couple, we thought, you know what, if we have another child that has a seizure disorder, um, we've already been through this process. And we already know what to expect and we know what to do for treatment. And so, you know, we were like, you know, we're just going to, you know, take it as it is um, and, and just and do it. And you know what, the, when I had gone to the Motherhood 2 group, um, you know, there were some moms had had expressed too. Like I asked them what they felt about when they had their second and they said, well, yeah, I was scared at, the, at first. But, you know, I thought I'd be like, it would be difficult for me. It'd be emotional. I'd be worrying about every, you know, every week, but like, or every movement or just be a lot more emotional and worried. But I surprisingly wasn't. I enjoyed the pregnancy because there was, it was out of my control if anything was to happen. And we would love this child regardless of anything. And so we're forever grateful that we were able to get pregnant with our second and she is our little angel and and the best sister for him. So, yeah, like we were just, you know, ecstatic and, and you take it as it is and you take it as every day, every moment's the best. So, yeah. 
let's talk a little bit about you and your husband. So you guys have been married for, I believe, if my math's correct, nearly seven years. Um, can you share a little bit about your love story, maybe? So I worked at CAA on 8th Street there um, on Motor Club. Um, and his mom is uh, worked there as well. And I was a receptionist there. And it was back like in October um, of 2000. And oh my goodness, <laughs> seven, I think. No, six, 2006, seven. I Anyways, so I was dressed up as a cowgirl and they took a picture of it and it was in a newsletter. His mom took it home and had it on the fridge. And his mom was wanting me to set up with one of his friends. And he said, no, like none of them are good for her, blah, blah, blah. And so she, it was like a cut, he was dating somebody at the time and then they were, they broke up and he had come in the one day and I'd seen him and I was like, oh yeah, he's like a good looking guy. And, and then it was like a couple weeks later, his mom came up to me and she's like, I like, I don't know what you kids do. Like, do you go for coffee or something? But like, here's my son's number. He gave it to me to give to you. So I go back to like the, my receptionist desk and I'm like, okay, this is weird. Like, I am not calling this guy. Like, this is not my job. Like a guy should be calling me, not him. So it was like a week later, I, he called me cause I gave my number to his mom and he went on a date in December. And then it was like three weeks later, December 28th, we were dating and, uh, then we got engaged five years or at our five year, um, uh, years of dating and since then we've been dating but we always say his mom's the one that set him up and and found his girlfriend and his wife for him <laughs> that's so cute what a what a cute little story first of all I have to ask why were you dressed up like a cowgirl it was for Halloween oh okay <laughs> yeah yeah oh. I had the little pigtails and like the uh jean skirt and the pink shirt tied up nicely so I was at cute cowgirl I guess that's what attracted him there you (laughs) go so is he a romantic at heart yeah he is he yeah he does uh things sporadically surprisingly he's surprised me a few times which I really like surprises so well you have to tell me like what is maybe the most romantic thing that he's ever surprised you with so we were supposed to, I wanted to go to Hawaii for my 30th birthday, but um, with Rory being sick and whatnot, um, we couldn't do that. And so I had gone on my birthday, I'd planned to go get a tattoo. And so I went out and I had a massage as well. And then I came home and um, he had done a surprise birthday for me, which I didn't expect anything at all because we weren't really leaving anywhere because my son was on steroids and so my family was there my best friend he threw flew in through Calgary and I'll just always remember that because it was just like we were going through such a hard time and I was you know excited to go that we may have gone been going somewhere and it just didn't work out and so it was refreshing and um just what I needed so it was that that was I think probably the most romantic thing especially just because of what we were going through at the time and I'm a like 
big supporter of surprise things. I like that too. So let's switch gears and maybe talk about pet peeves. We'll go from like super romantic gestures to pet peeves. (laughs) So what maybe is your, let's say your biggest absolute pet peeve about Clayton? Oh, he's such a loud chewer. Like (laughs) even if his mouth is closed, like the other night we're sitting there watching a show and I'm like, are you serious? Like he has like 10 strawberries on a plate with Nutella and I can literally hear him chewing the seeds with his mouth closed. It it just drives me nuts because it's so loud. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's too funny. Like it's always like the simple things. Hey. Yeah, it's just like, I don't know what gets me, but it just does. Like I... So what does he? So strawberries are fairly soft. So like, what does he like with like a bag of chips? Oh my gosh! Oh, it's loud, like loud. Like there's, we got to turn the volume up on the TV because we ain't hearing anything. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so now that we picked on him, so if we were to ask him what his biggest pet peeve about you is, what do you think he would tell me? Oh, well, putting the dishes in the sink when the dishwasher is empty. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, been there. Yeah, I mean, I like I say I'm busy and I just don't have time to look at the dishwasher. So the sink's the best place for the dishes. <laughs> Does he ever make the comment like it's right there? Like how much more effort would it take you to put it in there versus the sink? No, but he's got that look and it, or he just like kind of does. And I'm like, yeah, I'm sorry. I just didn't have a chance. <laughs> I can read him. So I just know when. <laughs> all, it, all it takes is one look. Hey, and you just know. Yeah, pretty much. So with having a child that has higher needs, it definitely, I can only imagine brings stress and tension to a marriage. So I just want to know, like, how have you and your husband been able to navigate, like, through the highs and lows and maintain your relationship and some sanity? I guess, like, the top one is communication. Like, just being open, like, when someone's, like, you're having a crappy day or you're just having, like, a really bad day and you just need, like, time to yourself. Like, we allow each other to have our me time. Um... And, you know, that be like he goes golfing or takes our dog out or I do a workout or I have a bath or something like that. We just have to, like, communicate and and just checking in with each other all the time. Like, how are you doing, like, emotionally, mentally, like, and so that's just kind of always been we work, try to work as a team and, and share share the load. But sometimes it can be heavy. and we can get frustrated and, and carry a lot of it too. And, and try not to set one another off, you know, even though we know we should communicate it, it's tough, right? Like, I mean, and every day, like by the time, and end of the day, you know, by the time the kids go to sleep, it's eight o'clock. We, we sit down and watch a TV show together too. And, or we've decided, you know, to kind of play a game. And so that's, we try to find different things to kind of keep, things going and in a positive direction 
So you kind of mentioned um, mental health there, which kind of ties into my next uh, question. So I'm curious what role, you know, has mental health really played in your motherhood journey through everything here, if you can share about that. So I guess like for the first three months, like I was good, like I was happy, you know, I had a, I had a healthy child, we were able to have a a kid, like a baby. Because I mean, for the first year, it took a long, it, it took a lot to, to have a child. And, and that weighed too on the mental health piece. And so once we had one, and the first three months was good, but then, you know, it kind of went downhill. Um, when Rory was diagnosed, um, I was crying every day, I was upset, I was sad, I did call like that, the mental health number that's for postpartum and you know, I did talk to them a bit and they kind of helped me with direction and what to kind of alleviate those things and, and what to do if I was feeling that way. And sometimes it made me angry with some of the stuff they said, because I just, you know, I always say this and I will, I would have never felt or feel the way I do if my son wasn't going through this, because I mean, other than that, like I was, I never had, I guess I never had issues with, you know, anxiety or depression or isolation or like I was, a, I'm an emotional person and I do take things personally into heart. But I mean, after my son was diagnosed, like it's really taken a toll on me. And for me to release that was like talking to family and and talking to other moms that are going through it, working out was my huge piece. Like once I was able to, you know, after Rory was in the hospital, going to spin class was where I cried when they played a song. It was so good. And I just released that and, and just doing things for myself. Like that's helped me release um, and get me to a better place. Cause if I don't work out, I'm, I am not a happy person. Oh, I I can 100% agree with that. It is definitely one of my go-to coping mechanisms for my mental health too. So I hear you there. Yeah, it's just like, I mean, I work out too to be healthy, but it, it healthy body, but healthy body, healthy mind. And I've learned too, like no one's going to take care of you, but yourself. Yeah. And at the end of the day, if I'm not healthy, mentally or physically who's gonna take care of the kids who's gonna take care of the family like you know and that's that's been a huge piece for me is realizing like I've got to realize that I'm important too that's a hundred and ten percent absolutely and you know what you hit the nail there because I I've been focusing a lot lately on this concept of in order to take care of my kids in the best possible way, like taking care of me is taking care of my kids because you're right. If you know, no one else is taking care of me and I have to show up for myself. And if I can't, you know, be, be here for my kids, I need, I need the energy. I need, I need to be healthy for not only me, but for my kids too. And I can, I can feel exactly where you're going with that. And I totally agree with that. Um, I'm curious. So we talked about you talk to family, you exercise. Are there any other particular things that help you with coping with mental health? Or would you say that that pretty much covers your strategies? 
I would say that pretty much covers my strategies. Like, I mean, I, I'm a talker, so I like to, you know, talk things through or talk to people and, and commute and communicate with others that are going through it, knowing that I'm not feeling alone with how I feel. Um, and just like doing something for myself, like makes me happy. Like say if I go, um, for a pedicure or something like that, that just re- like makes me feel good, you know? Yeah. So let's spin that to self-care. So self-care looks different to everyone and it can be anything from simple things to very luxurious things. So what does the everyday self-care look like to you? Um, again, top one would be doing a workout, um, having a bath, going for a walk, um, and watching an episode of like one of my favorite shows, like trashy TV, like real housewives of orange County or something like that. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) Something like that, that you can just kind of like mindless TV, I think. Hey. Yeah. Cause like, then my problems aren't as bad as what theirs are, you know, or oh my something gosh. that makes you <laughs> something that just makes you laugh. Like, are you serious? That's ridiculous, or whatever. It just takes your mind away from re- like real your reality, I guess. And uh, so, yeah. So when you're having like tough days, days that feel kind of impossible, do you have like a particular phrase or some people say a mantra? Like, do you have something that you kind of kind of speak to yourself to kind of help you through those tough moments? Yeah, so I would say like my strength is greater than any struggle um, for me. So that's what I would tell myself like, I'm strong and I have that strength against any of the struggles that I'm going through. Cause I, you know, I do go through, you know, every couple months that, and I always end up finding that strength and my strength is so much stronger than what I'm going through. And so it just pushes me and the strength I get from my son is what really pushes me as well. So that's what I would say is my strength is stronger than any struggle that I do go through. Oh, I like that. That is really, that's really good. I like that one. So probably my most important question that I like to ask moms at the end of my interviews is as a mom, like all of all moms have difficult days. And I know that you have more than most because you're going through so much and you are just incredible, but sometimes it can all be too much. And we're all human. And I'm curious, do you have like a a hiding place or like a you place where you can go for a mommy timeout when you just need a few minutes to, to catch your breath? Oh, I would say the, the bathroom or the basement, but the bathroom I'm kind of veering away from now because my daughter Adeline knows and she knocks on the door and is like, mommy, mommy. And then her fingers come underneath the bathroom. In the, so, creep, the creepy, like, finger slide under the door. <laughs> yeah, so the basement, because there's, like, a gate blocking the stairs, which she can't come down. So I would say the basement is my my area um, of choice. Nice. Well, I think, yeah, we all got to have somewhere just to, like, sometimes, you know, we need to take a deep breath and just then, you know, that makes the world a difference when we pull ourselves together. 
Yes, it definitely helps when you when you have a chaos day or it's every day. Um, having that recharge is huge, even if it's like five minutes. Well, I am so very grateful that you shared your story, and I you're just so inspiring to me and. I am grateful that you took the time and you were willing to share your story because I love to be able to advocate for moms and to be able to just make moms feel a little less alone in the trenches of whatever they're going through in the moment. So thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you for having me and reaching out. I really appreciate it. Um, I've been happy to share um, my story and my journey and be open with it. And, and I hope it reaches some moms and knows that it's okay um, to feel how you're feeling and um, we're all on this journey together regardless of what stage we're at. Those words are just so true because when it comes to motherhood, we are all going through so many different things and we need to stick together. We need to be a community for each other. Because I think back to in my conversation with Kendall when she said that, you know, she felt like she couldn't go to mommy groups because she didn't have anything in common. She didn't feel like she had anything to give at those groups. And I feel like it's situations like this where we need to make moms feel welcome. We need to wrap our arms around moms and let them know that we are there for them. Even if we don't understand what they're going through, even if our situation is completely different just to show support and to let them know that they are loved, that they are seen and heard, and that they are enough for what they are going through. Because you can just hear it in Kendall's story that there were so many moments in her journey so far where she just felt like she wasn't enough for Rory and for her family. And I am just so grateful that Kendall took the time and was willing to share her story because I learned so much about her and the journey that she went on. And I think it's so brave when moms are willing to share the stories that they've gone through when they've gone through just something so difficult as what she has gone through on this journey with Rory. So if you learn nothing other than this from my conversation with Kendall, I hope that you take this away. Look beyond the surface at moms. Because there are moms in your community, in your circle of friends who are struggling. It may not be things that you can see on the surface. It may be things behind the scenes. So check in on your mom friends. Make sure everyone is okay as we head into summer break here. I know that a lot of moms are going to be losing their minds. Thanks again for tuning in. Next week, I'm sharing my season finale for season two of the Join Your Circus podcast. It's going to be a wrap up, tying everything together from the season. I hope that your coffee is exceptionally hot or maybe in this heat wave, you're getting some iced coffee, that your wine glass is full and that your chaos is beautiful and semi-controlled during summer break. Have a good one, guys. Thanks for tuning in.